Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes anything that we would normally have at home and that's my big believer the recipe we had to be willing to eat at home on a regular day if not then it's not going backpacking with us because at the end of the day when you're backpacking and you're starving a good meal is just going to make the day that much better welcome to the less stressed life podcast where our only priority is providing those aha moments to up level your life health and happiness your host Integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. One of my clients who actually found me on a podcast was recently lamenting about how much she learned from podcasts, but also felt like she was getting so much information she didn't know what to do with it or take from it. Learning is everything in life. But how do you remember what you learn or put it into action? Well, we grow and retain our learning when we share it with others. That's why I want to invite you to my new Facebook group for the Less Stressed Life podcast, the Learn, Grow, Share Circle.com. This group started as texts with friends and listeners talking about those aha moments from episodes. I thought, why don't we all get to have this talk? When you listen to an episode and wonder, did anyone else try that? I want to be able to share updates and things I've learned since the episode recording. And now more than ever, community is of paramount importance. To join the group, just go to learngrowsharecircle.com and join the conversation. I called it learngrowsharecircle.com because that's really how I see this that's how I feel about podcasts. You want to share your aha moments, your wins, your questions, your thoughts to get the most out of this podcast. I'll see you there. All right. Today on The Less Stress Life, we have the backcountry foodie, Erin Owens Mayhew, is here with us. And in a past life, if you're not familiar with her, she was previously a clinical dietitian specializing in children and special healthcare needs for about 16 years. She really had a midlife crisis in 2016, which I love, decided to quit the secure, well-paying job and hike the Pacific Crest Trail, a dream that she never thought she'd have the opportunity to fulfill. While she was preparing for the trip, she realized that she couldn't really afford a five-month supply of freeze-dried food. She wasn't really willing to consume that traditional hiker food. So she started tinkering in the kitchen, developed her own recipes, meal planning methods. And now we are 
I think three cookbooks later, she will tell us here in a minute, and I'll let her finish telling the whole story. I just took a tour of her van where she lives, and we're going to jump right into creating your own version of a less stress life dietitian when you're a dietitian and you want to eat all the things. So welcome, Erin. Hi, thanks, Krista. So let's jump in. Actually, I really paraphrased a little bit your history and timeline. So you had the midlife crisis in 2016. You couldn't really do this freeze dried food and you didn't really want to do it. So why don't you pick up from there? Because that's really where your story begins. And I wanted you to be able to tell it. Right. So I began backpacking back in 2001. I grew up in Kentucky, so we really didn't camp or backpack then. So back in 2001, I graduated from graduate school and went to Seattle and fell in love with the mountains. So then I didn't know any better and started out eating MREs. And then it took me 10 years to figure out that Mountain House existed. So I transitioned to those. And then another 10 years later is when I decided to quit my job. And again, I had no idea anything other than Mountain House, what I could eat. And so I started reading the blogs and other things about other hikers, what they've done in the past and realized they eat a lot of ramen noodles, instant mashed potatoes, pop tarts and honey buns. And as a dietitian, that was absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. I naturally eat fairly healthy. And then once I added up, like Chris was saying, the expense of Mountain House, I just financially wasn't feasible, nor did I want to eat that kind of food for five months. So again, I started tinkering in the kitchen and this is the first time I'd ever made homemade meals. So I wasn't happy with the ones that I found in cookbooks because again, I was finding that they just weren't as nutritious as I wanted them to be. So being the nerdy dietitian, that number calculator that we are, I started punching numbers in the food processor (laughs) and created my own, I guess, line of recipes. And it's just gone on from that, that now, like after hiking, I made my first cookbook in May of 2008. 18, and now we have an online platform for backpackers. And we're actually getting ready to potentially start making and selling our food hopefully next spring. So it's really grown over the, just the last few years. It's not really a small thing that started in a van. Is the If you're going to make and sell the food, are you working with a commercial kitchen so then people can do backcountry foodie branded stuff? Is that what you mean? That's actually why we moved to New Mexico. Well, I guess you could say moved. We relocated to New Mexico from Washington State. There's an incubator kitchen here that will help us get started so we can have a home base for doing that. Unfortunately, with COVID-19 right now, they're not accepting new businesses, mm-hmm. but hopefully in the spring, they're going to start accepting. So we'll have a place to go do that and work out of their kitchen until we're able to grow enough and have our own kitchen, all the while still living in our van mm-hmm. <laughs> and traveling around. Yeah. All right. Well, so it started as a hiking thing. So at the base, we're talking about working with food in a small footprint, which I think can overlap to a lot of areas. Of course, hiking is different, right? Because you got to carry all that around. It's very translatable to what you're doing now, but a little bit different, right? Because now you have a kitchen in your van. So you're using some of those same things, but you can expand a little bit because you don't have to carry it on your back. Let me finish going through your timeline a little bit because really it was 2016, we're hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. 2018, you're like, hey, there's a need for this. I'm going to publish a cookbook. 2018, your husband decides to join the fun. I bet that was fun for him to work while you were like, hey, I'm going to go work on this other stuff. So oh, yeah, I left out that part that he quit his job as well to join in and the foodie train. Yeah, yeah, that's so fun. Does he have any food background or like, how does he lend his expertise into what you're doing now? Oh, no, he has zero background in food. I'm actually the chef in the house. (laughs) But his background is in commercial construction and project management. Oh, perfect. So it's actually been a huge help because he does all the managing of the accounting, the analytics, and all those things that I was really struggling with early on in Backcountry Foodie. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I spend 100% of my time on the food aspect, and he takes care of the rest. So it's actually been a really awesome partnership. Yeah. And it helped out when you guys decided to do your own van build, basically, to live out of the van. And that happened... Basically, 
So it looks like you bought the Sprinter van September-ish fall of 2018. April 2019, it sounds like you had already had it built, which is actually like a good turnaround. Like that didn't take that long. Where did you start from? You were in the East Coast, right? Isn't that where you're from? We actually, we were living in Seattle at the time when we both quit our jobs and tried to build the van over the winter, which was an absolute disaster. You just, it rains all the time in Washington (laughs) during the winter. So we packed up the partially built van and moved it to my parents' house in Florida and spent two solid months there every single day to finish it. And then we started actual travels from there. I believe it was June, 2019, where I actually were full-time on the road. Awesome. Okay, cool. So during that time, you had the first cookbook. I know there's another one. When do you start working again? Well, your job is backcountry foodie. So that's always been a thing. And it's grown, really. And your husband then, I think he was just, or maybe he's just working on backcountry foodie now too, right? So are you both working on backcountry foodie full time now? Yes, that's our job full time. Cool. Awesome. So we're kind of driving all over the country. I bet it was a bit interesting. What we'd really like to know as the uh, people listening here is how do you make it work in the van? So let's talk about you were fully in the van. So you also sold your house, which that was probably kind of interesting during that winter, because it sounds like you probably would have sold everything, moved to Florida before you even had everything finished, right? Because you're working on that for two months. So there was a lot of transition going on for quite a while. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Huge change. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Got it. Was there anything about getting rid of everything that was difficult or was it just freeing? This is actually a really good question. We've downsized, downsized, I guess now five times. We had a huge yard sale when we first left Seattle and I was actually embarrassed with how much stuff I'd accumulated that I had found things I hadn't used in years. So that was actually felt pretty good, but we kept a 10 by 10 storage unit with a few things thinking if we needed to move back into our house within the next year, we could at least have a one bedroom home. And then, so we took off with the van and then we found that there's still too much in the van that we didn't need. So we downsized four more times as we would get back into Washington and put a few more things in the storage unit. And then most recently, we decided to completely get rid of the storage unit. And we just gave away again with COVID, we couldn't sell anything. And a lot of Goodwill stores weren't taking large pieces of furniture. So we just gave away all of our furniture to our friends. So we literally have like only what's in our van and a handful of things of like memorabilia kinds of things and a tiny little storage unit. But and again, being a backpacker, I realized I don't need a lot of stuff. And I've kind of figured out it's just stuff. It's just not that meaningful for me versus the experiences we're having right now being able to travel around the country. Yeah, when you're traveling around and it's winter, how do you plan your route? Or do you just kind of wing it every few weeks? How long do you stay in one place? Or has it varied quite a bit? Because let's see, we're about a year and a half into the van life adventure. And are you ready? How do you like working next to each other all day? <laughs> <laughs> actually, this is a good question, too. Chris actually prefers being inside a, like a desk kind of situation, whereas I prefer being outside. We travel with the seasons, so we try to stay where it's warm. So I typically sit outside in my camp chair with our dog running around, and Chris will work inside. And then we just kind of talk between the slider door if we need to talk to one another kind of thing. So the space really hasn't been a problem cool. work-wise. Cool. All right. So let's talk about what is in the kitchen when it's a... Let's get more specific about your kitchen specs right now. I know you introduced me to it off air, but tell everyone else, like paint them a quick visual picture of what you have to work with. And actually, because we do run a food business, the kitchen was built first. And what room we had left over is where everything else was put. (laughs) So I actually have a, I think, a pretty good sized kitchen. And actually, the countertop is so high that I have a step stool (laughs) because I had so many pots and pans that I wanted to put in. I would say it's probably two and a half feet deep by probably close to five feet long. My countertop, I have butcher bought countertop. 
a 10 inch deep sink that's again 10 by 20 inches it's a huge sink i can put my dehydrator trays in it we have a biggest sink in a van oh yeah by far and we have a college-sized refrigerator. So, I mean, again, we're vegetarians, so we have all kinds of produce. We could, first, produce-wise, we're probably good for two weeks. And then the cabinet storage for dry goods, we probably are good for a solid month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have food under our benches. <laughs> and then we have two 30-gallon totes in the back that holds all of our foodie food. So, actually, I take over most of the van. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Here. I think you just, I think, what do you have, like, two, a, a pair of clothes to wash in the stream in between? Um, just kidding. I'm just kidding. But do you wish that you had I'm a bigger fridge? <laughs> fridge? No, for what we do, it's actually, I haven't missed anything. And I have one frying pan, one saute pan, pot. I mean, I've got a couple bowls. And it's just, it's actually fewer things to have to wash. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, yeah. it's worked really well. I don't miss anything. Yeah. I the think- microwave is key. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Why is the microwave key for you? Just because it's so easy to reheat leftovers because we are run on solar power that cooking I can use when I do cook fresh meals every night for dinner. I use about 10% of our power. So after a few days, if it's really cloudy, then I could use up a lot of energy here. So the microwave is a really good quick fix kind of thing for meals. Sure. Got it. Okay. So you came from even a smaller footprint with the hiking food and that's kind of its own business, but we're in the van discussion. So let's talk about like, you just gave us some of the kitchen tool backbone. Like the average person would have about a third of the food that you guys probably have or maybe less. I don't know. The way you described it. Yes, you have a van. You travel around the country with a van full of food. But can we go through what some of those staples are and kind of how you put that together? Do you feel like you make a plan or do you open the cover and wing it every day and you can do that well? And you're talking about fresh food, not backpacking meals. Yep. I'm talking about van life food. Yep. We eat regular meals like we normally would at home. I make my same... Oh gosh, we've got spaghetti. I have stir-fried rice. I mean, anything we would normally make at home, I make in here. So I don't have to do anything differently than I wasn't already doing at home. Staples, we have lots of canned goods in here. We have a lot of like cold lunches that we can eat. We usually don't make like things with lots of leftovers because we don't have a lot of storage for leftovers. But for the most part, we don't go without anything. What if, we even keep a six pack of beer or two. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to, if your van was empty and didn't have any food right now, what would you buy first? Do you think you would just say, okay, I want to eat these things for the next few days and buy those things? Or do you feel like, no, Krista, it's really no different than cooking out of your home, even though I have a college size fridge, because I do have a lot of food storage. Like I live a normal, you just said, hey, I cook the same things. What's the biggest contrast? Because you're storing so much food, it doesn't feel crazy different from the home versus the van. It's really power and probably water supply. How much water do you have on board? We have, let's see, 20 gallons directly hooked up to like our tap. And then we have another five gallons as kind of our emergency supply. And then like where we are right now, we're trying to avoid going into town for as long as possible because we have a really beautiful spot that we don't want to leave. So we'll fill up all of our water bottles, our hiking water bottles. So we probably have close to 30 gallons of water that lasts us, I don't know, six days maybe. And then if I'm careful and I don't boil a lot of water just for pasta or those kinds of things, then it could last a little longer. And then if we take showers in the rivers instead of taking them out of our <laughs> the behind the van in our regular shower, then that conserves water too. So you open up the back of your van and you have one of those kind of pop-up shower things. Is that what it is? Yeah. So we have a shower rod that connects between the two doors and we have a shower curtain that completely encloses the back of the van with a gravity shower. So again, we travel usually where it's sunny. So when we're in enough private place, then we could just take a shower out of the back. And if that doesn't happen, then you just don't shower or you camp shower or you creek shower. 
Or we have a basin that I fill up some hot water out of the tea kettle inside the van and I take a sponge bath. <laughs> so that's our fallback plan. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, do you ever miss showers or not really in the last year and a half? Well, we had a gym membership that we would go and have like real showers whenever we'd go into town. So those were really nice. We miss that a little bit now because our gym's closed because of COVID. The other thing, though, is how long have you been in your current space? where you get a gym membership. And how long do you stay in? You said you travel with the seasons, but how long do you stay in a place? Oh, that depends too. I know you asked that before. It really depends on the location. And a lot of it has to do because we run an online business is the cell service. So if we get there and it's a really gorgeous place and we'd like to stay, but we can't do our work, then we have to move on. And then if there's a place that we really love, we might stay there for two weeks. And actually we never plan more than a couple days in advance just because there are so many variables. Who knows? I mean, a bad weather may come in. So we want to get out because I do enjoy being outside so much. And again, the cell service thing might be a problem. So we had planned to be there for two weeks, but we can't get our work done. So we have to move on. Mm-hmm. We had originally tried planning a lot further in advance when we first started and it just, it didn't work. So we've learned, I don't even keep much of a calendar anymore because you just have to kind of go with the flow. So you just kind of drive and look for a next destination, honestly. Like we've right. never been there. Pretty much. Cool. Got it. Well, something I'm going to go back because I've asked, I uh, like to ask five, I like to ask questions and clusters apparently today. Sorry about that. I'm a very curious person actually. So, and this is just like, this is something I had been looking at for a while and just decided, well, I have three kids at the moment. So I need to get, <laughs> I need one to move out or I need to not have five of us in a van. I don't think that's going to, I don't think we're going to tolerate each other for long periods of time at the moment. However, you have this kitchen with a lot of stuff. If you had to start over today, what would that look like? What would you fill? And as a person, if I have to compare and contrast how it is in my home, I live in a food desert. So I get some things locally. It's actually pretty dang good. I've acclimated it to a lot, but I still order some things online and you don't really have that option to do things. So maybe you just work with whatever, but as you like when you're in places like parks, I mean, you're not always near a robust grocery store. So you need to be able to work with pretty simple foods, I'm guessing. So Let's talk about if you had to start over stocking your kitchen, what does that look like? What would be like the stocking staples versus the things that you buy from week to week? Stocking staples. So produce wise, we always have peppers. We always have onions. We always have berries. We always have yogurt, cottage cheese, lots of cheese, cheese blocks. Staples wise, a lot of beans and a lot of quinoa. I've got couscous, pasta, a lot of tuna. Dry goods, we have usually have some kind of cereal or granola. I'm a huge rice noodle fan because we have a lot of Asian dishes. So I usually, and those are hard to find sometimes throughout the country. So I usually stock up whenever I come across it. And then we usually have a loaf of bread. I'm looking, we have another 18 gallon tote that we call our Costco tote that we go to Costco and we'll load up on things. Husband's a huge nut eater. So we usually stock up on several bags of nuts. Is he a Um, vegetarian? So those really are our staples. Yes. Okay. So that makes it easier. When did you add him to the mix? Were you married when you hiked the Pacific Crest or did you meet him on the Pacific Crest Trail? No, that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> we had just started dating when I decided I was quitting my job. So I was like, just making sure you know that I'm going to quit my job soon. <laughs> Do you still want to date me? <laughs> and he stuck around and we've been married a little over two years now. And yeah, we're business partners. And I, I mean, it's wonderful. I love yeah. it. Cool. Good, good. All right. So your van life food feels honestly pretty similar to home life food. And I know you have the luxury of a little larger kitchen than some. I've watched YouTube videos on what people wish they would have different in their van and they would say more water or whatever. Yours sounds like not crazy different than a lot of regular kitchens. So let's actually go there. Let's go to the hiking backpack, which is probably a very different conversation 
so if you're used to an MRE and you change it up, what does that look like? Because I'm not familiar with backpacking food. How many days can you pack at a time and make it work? And are these things you make yourself? Or are you like, is it like Aaron's custom, I made my own meal replacement kit, essentially? Right. That's exactly what Backcountry Foodie is. I've developed my own recipe line, I guess you could say, based on my knowledge of nutrition, is that I've created recipes and I have a big believer of taking your own regular home food with you into the backcountry so you don't have to eat Mountain House or Pop-Tarts and those things. So all the recipes I've created use those ingredients I was just talking about in my home. There are a lot of couscous, they're dehydrated beans, it's dehydrated fruit, uh, dehydrated vegetables, cheese. I mean, there's freeze-dried yogurt. So anything that we would normally have at home, and that's my big believer. The recipe, we had to be willing to eat at home on a regular day. If not, then it's not going backpacking with us. Because at the end of the day, when you're backpacking and you're starving, a good meal is just going to make the day that much better. Well, to someone who's not a high... I mean, I hope I'm not annoying the people that are not backpackers, but I think as those of us that are just interested, because if you don't know anything about something, it's hard to jump into it. Freeze-dried yogurt, do you make that? Or is that one of those things? You, like, I feel like you could maybe do that. Or do you have to order that? Well, yeah, pretty much any freeze-dried products. You can buy a home freeze-dryer, but they're extremely expensive. So if backpacking is something you just do from time to time, it's probably not worth it financially. But freeze-dryers, you can buy anything freeze-dried, fruits, vegetables. And the reason why I really like those is because freeze-drying the process retains 97% of the nutrition. Whereas if you're to home dehydrate things, it's really convenient and less expensive, but it can lose up to 50% of the vitamins just because it's exposed to heat for so long. So that's one of the reasons why I use that. And the freeze-dried yogurt, yes, you have to buy essentially from another outdoor company or a food company online. Well, this is making me think about bowel movements on the trail because we're having this (laughs) freeze-dried stuff. And I'm thinking about osmotic shifts of water. And I'm thinking about hydration. And so like if you have freeze-dried yogurt, do you just add water and hydrate it and then eat it like normal yogurt? Is that how that works, essentially? Essentially, that's what it works. But the way my recipes are designed is I believe in maximizing every bite. So I usually add some kind of berries or granola or nuts or something else to it. So you're not just eating plain yogurt, you're actually eating a variety of other things with it. Mm -hmm. But you have freeze dried berries. So you just add some water. And they pop up some water sponge. (laughs) And they're like, hey, (laughs) hey, I'm happy to see you here. Um, (laughs) And then you have the granola. Awesome. Now with dehydrated beans, all I can think about is like, Well, when do you have time to cook? When do you have time to make? How do you make that on the trail when you're starving? Like, it's great to have these foods, but doesn't that require like more stuff to bring? Or is that stuff you were going to bring anyway? Like, how do you prepare Uh couscous on the trail and dehydrated beans? So couscous is super easy. It just requires a half a cup of couscous requires about six ounces of water. You can either add it cold or hot. If you add hot water, it cooks within three minutes or so. If you add cold water, it's usually ready in five minutes. Beans take quite a bit longer to rehydrate. And dehydrated beans, I just make it home. I open up a can of beans, rinse them off, throw them on my dehydrator for a few hours, and they're ready to go. So there's a process called cold soaking for backpacking food that if you want to eat something cold, like a bean salad, for say, is that you would just add water to it a couple hours, maybe at your morning snack time, add the water to it. So it's rehydrating. So then it's ready to be eaten at lunchtime. Got it. Interesting. Or you can eat, or you can add hot water, but it does take a little bit longer to rehydrate them than it does something like couscous. It sounds like you probably have really special containers for things that kind of like you budget. Like let's say, what's a normal trip like now? Let's say you're an average person, <laughs> two to five days. Usually, 
Yeah, usually two, like a weekend kind of trip for most people. And then if you're going to plan something for the year, a lot of people plan like a five or seven day trip. And again, my recipes are designed in a way to where they don't take up a lot of space in your backpack so that you can take the amount of food that you need. When I was doing the PCT, I was planning up to seven to 10 days at a time. And that's when I started panicking because the amount of traditional hiking food, it was going to be over 20 pounds. And I just couldn't physically carry that on top of all my other gear. So mm-hmm. that's why I've kind of design the food that I have, that it gives me all the nutrition I need, but weighs very little. So container wise, do you have like special things that fit like little boxes essentially, or like, is there something special that backpackers use where like, if you know, you're going to eat this on day one, cause you're having a plan. So it's like, there's no preparing the preparing on the trail is adding water. <laughs> Mostly like, is there more, is there more preparation on the trail other than adding water? Do you take one of those little burners as well or no? I do. And it depends on your personality and how much you really, how gourmet you want to be when you're backpacking. But personally, I'm a big believer in freezer bag cooking, which all that is, is you're preparing all the food at home, dumping it into a single Ziploc baggie, and all you do is add water to it. So whether that's cold water or hot water, if you want to cook in your pot, you can put all those ingredients in the pot and add water and stir. But I don't like to clean dishes. (laughs) We do enough dishes at home. I don't like to have to wash dishes when I'm backpacking. So I usually just cook right in the bag. We are transitioning to compostable bags which is pretty exciting because I'm not a big fan of the plastic waste of throwing away the Ziploc baggies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you really don't. I mean, if you want to take a frying pan, some people do for a short weekend hike and you could fry eggs or make pancakes and those kind of things. But that's (laughs) just imagine carrying carrying around eggs on a backpacking trip and not having those break. That's a thing. Yeah. Well, there's little egg containers that you can put them in. Yeah. yeah, People do it. I'd rather not. I like very easy. Just add water and I'm done. (laughs) So when was, what was the last backpacking trip you went on and what did, and you guys had basically tacos and bean salad and whatever you want, like all the same (laughs) things. Oh gosh. When did we, we went just recently. We was supposed to be a multi-day backpacking trip, but we didn't plan the second day very well. So day two and three ended up being only on day two. So it ended up being just an overnight backpacking trip because it didn't have a water source that we'd hoped there would be. And let's see, I'm trying to think. I remember having taco mac and cheese for dinner. I remember having my yogurt for breakfast or granola. I make a lot of trail mix now. I can't stand eating bars anymore because I've eaten so many cliff bars and Luna bars that I make all my homemade trail mix instead. What does that look like? Like, do you put different things? Like you, it sounds like you're maybe making a really creative trail mix. What is something like out of the box that you're doing in trail mix that you don't wouldn't find on the shelf? Oh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of my don't knock it till you try it trail mix is name that because it's so odd. It has pecans, wheat thins, yogurt covered pretzels and chocolate covered raisins. <laughs> so it's such this weird mix. Sounds like you it's just had delicious. Some, it just sounds like you had some crap in the cupboard you threw together, right? Yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. It's just like, it's once you actually take a bite of all that all at once, it's amazing. Cool. Yeah. So like when you are hiking all day, your energy needs are quite heightened. Do you think stepping back because you're in, like, it sounds like you've loved to crunch the numbers. Would you say that you think the typical hiker food, like, do, do you think they're probably a bit undernourished quite a bit, like based on what those foods are typically? I mean, you're in this area. So, you know, like, do you think people are starving at the end of the day? Or like, do they have enough? Do you just like carb load a little bit with all of that? That's a lot of energy to expend throughout the day is my point. 
Right. That's actually how I got into this, too. Again, this is how Backcountry Foodie came about, because I just saw so many people, especially on the long distance trails, have to go home because they were just malnourished. Mm. And had they have just eaten well, they could have continued their dream trail. So that was part of it is that I have the knowledge and the skills to do that. So, and I've done YouTube videos about this comparing like what the nutrition content of the traditional ramen and potatoes and pop tarts and that kind of thing. And been able to compare like how nutrient deficient it is. So on a weekend hike, you'll be fine, but long distance things, you're going to be vitamin deficient calorie wise if people under eat because they don't, the traditional rule is to pack two pounds of food per day for a backpacking trip without taking into account reading the food labels of what's in that two pounds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I found that a lot of people will just throw food in a bag, not having any idea how many calories are in that. And they actually under eat quite a bit. Yeah. So that's part of my mission is to educate people to start paying more attention to what's in their food versus just throwing some food into a bag. Well, and it's also a bit surprising because I feel like people who are doing hiking like this might consider themselves health conscious people normally, or like if I'm just stereotyping a little bit, like, I spend my time hiking. I'm kind of health conscious, you know, so there was a bit of a disparity that you're feeling. Right. Again, this is where backcountry foodie came about because mm -hmm. I did see that disconnect that there are so many backpackers out there that are health conscious, but just didn't have the resources and the knowledge of how to take healthy food with them into the backcountry. So that's part of, again, my mission is that I'm working really hard just to provide those resources so that people can start eating better. And we're starting to see a shift. It's really exciting. It makes my day when I get emails from folks that are just saying, I'm eating so much better. I feel better. I look forward to my food at the end of the day. So it just makes all of our work worthwhile. Yeah. So I'd actually like to unpack backcountry foodie a little bit because it kind of started at least two years ago ish. I mean, whatever, right? Like it's been a journey as long as you've been on your journey is where it really started. But when you started producing things for other people, I'd love to talk about how that kind of manifested. I remember at one point you were looking at publishing a magazine and I don't know if you had transitioned away from that. So I'd love to talk about what it looked like to build up Backcountry Foodie, what you learned along the way. And then I'd like to talk about like what you decided to land on for those current offerings, essentially, like how you best help people. I know you've, you've alluded to a lot of it, but let's just actually talk about it. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey because, again, I'd been in clinical nutrition for 16 years at the time, so I had no idea how to be an entrepreneur. So it was a lot of trial and error as they went through. So I developed the cookbook, and then people were like, oh, just teach me how you do what you do. So that's where the magazine idea came from, is that I didn't have all the answers, so I'm going to reach out to the other dietitians that have answers that people are asking questions. But unfortunately, I quickly learned the amount of advertising that needs to go into that for that to be produced and the volume, and so that just financially wasn't going to be feasible. So then that's when I started kind of tinkering around with creating our own platform because I, the resources need to be made available to people. So that's kind of where I just was like, I'm going to figure this out myself. And three website designs later, and we're actually on our fourth design now, we're kind of figuring out finally with time. And our future platform is going to be, it's going to look a lot more like allrecipes.com to where you can type in, I have couscous, but I need a vegetarian, dairy-free, nut-free recipe. So it's going to pop up all the things that you need with those restrictions. And then it also is going to allow you to create meal plans based on it. It's also going to create a shopping list, which is actually a big request a lot of our customers have asked for. It's like, you have all these recipes, but now I have to grow the grocery. And it takes a lot of work mm -hmm. to figure out. So the shopping list is going to be auto-created. And then essentially, we're doubling the size of our meal planning resources, hopefully by December. So it's going to be almost like a how to be a backcountry foodie 101 course type of thing. So everything you need to know to be able to eat healthy in the backcountry, we're going to teach you how. Cool. So let me back up. 
when you say platform, you mean it's like full on recipe site. And what I really appreciate you mentioning the foods for different dietary lifestyles and needs. Because I think when you were talking about maybe how you eat, it's nice to say there's options for people who need to make adjustments to that, right? And you even have a particular lifestyle that you're following that's working well for you, right? On the backcountry, right? You're doing vegetarian and that's great. But so I really appreciate that they'll be able to do that or putting in, it was reminding me, I think there's a site called Supercook or something you like put in the ingredients and it'll spit out a recipe. Doing that stuff is a lot that's like a lot for, for a couple of people to kind of get that stuff down. So essentially a recipe compendium. And is that subscription based? And then also you're going to have kind of like a one-on-one course. Cause basically I've been asking you questions. Like I wouldn't even consider doing this cause I didn't know where to start. And there, you can always figure stuff out, but the reason people buy programs and courses is because it's all done for you. And so it's just like, here, here's how you do this. Here's the answer. So those are like the kind of the two arms, would you say the recipe meal plan, et cetera. And then eventually you're going to have the done for you component as well. Is that what that looks like with the kitchen? Yes. So yeah, you're right. So we call it a platform. Essentially, it's like an online cookbook where we have two different options currently. We have a 75 recipe option, which is all my kind of the recipes that I started out with. So you go online, you just have access to those. The next level up is the 175 recipes. So I've developed 100 more based on all the requests that I've received from hikers going into that, having the special needs. We have our special dietary. We've got vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free, even bariatric folks have asked for low-sugar recipes. So we have those. And then the meal planning site, like you're saying, it's your go-to because there's so much misinformation out there that I feel like there need to be one resource where you could go to and get it all in one place. Um, and then part of the membership too, is that I offer twice a month um, group calls. So we get on zoom and we talk twice a month about any questions people have or what they're struggling with or what's working well, and they want to share with other people. So that's been really fun too. So I do that twice a month, every month. And then, yeah, then the next stage is the food production part. So essentially, we're trying to do everything you need. Just come to us. We've got it all done for you. This is what I love to do. I'm happy to do it for you. And it's meant to be just a time-saving kind of thing and stress saver, too. I love it. I bet you have so much fun talking to the members every month and learning, you know, what to improve as well and like what you need differently. Well, that helps us build better resources, too. So in talking to them, they're telling us what their needs are. So then that way I can provide the resources for because they're not the only ones with that single problem. Other people's have the same problem. So Mm -hmm. it's helping us to build a better resource. I'm perusing your website. And is there three cookbooks officially, Erin, or one or two? I don't know. I know you started. (laughs) Well, we started with a PDF back in 2018, and then there were so many requests for a paperback that we published it in paperback. But then we had so many problems with the publisher printing it incorrectly that we had to take it off the market. Um, So then that's when we transitioned back to the online version. But everything in the online version, you can print it off in a PDF format, so you can have a print version if you want it. Mm -hmm. So now we're more just like an allrecipes.com sort of thing is kind of what I compare it to versus an actual cookbook. And I'm looking at this, and there's the yogurt parfait and a buffalo pasta salad and i'm like a nutella latte what did i think of that (laughs) a strawberry cheesecake so it's kind of exciting and yes you are the one filling it what i see here and the website does look beautiful so great job on this fourth iteration but what i see here in five years aaron's got this done she's doing great and then there's a whole nother division van life food (laughs) 
<laughs> van life build, van life cooking, etc. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you've now covered the Pacific Crest Trail, and you've traveled the US in the van. And now it's time to teach the next phase soon. So I guess we'll redo this conversation when you launch the next chapter for sure. Just kidding. Yeah, it'll be fun to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So many options. So you're going to hang out where you're at for now because you're waiting on a kitchen to open. Any other big plans in your future, Aaron? Um, no, like I said, we don't make big plans. <laughs> we just mm-hmm. kind of play it by ear. So yeah, living day by day. But this is our start. We actually really love it this way. Because if we find that we don't like where we are, we can move. And that's the beauty of living in the van right now. Yeah. Is that we're not stuck at home. We're doing the work we would normally do in a house as entrepreneurs, but we're able to pick up and move and see new places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if someone was listening and they were like, this is so cool. I just loved hearing about this and I feel really discontent in my job and I actually love blah, 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 blah. What would you say to that person? Take the leap. And the thing, this was our belief too, is that we were really nervous, both quitting our jobs. We both had stable, well-paying jobs. We had nice houses. We had nice cars, but we were like, you know what? This is our opportunity to do this. It could be temporary. If we need to go back, there's always a job. There's always a car, always a house. If we need to do this in six months, we can go back. Mm. But it's turned out that we're thrilled. I mean, it's turned out really, really well. So we're glad we took the leap and just believed in ourselves and we're making something of it. Cool. Awesome. So I know people can find you at backcountryfoodie.com. Is there anything particular you want to direct people to? We also are on Facebook and Instagram, if you look us up. And we're also producing more YouTube videos recently, so you can find us on YouTube. So we're trying to do kind of like intro to backpacking, nutrition kind of videos there. And then also I've been giving live stream talks, which has been really fun. So I've had one recently about bonking and maximizing your nutrition so you don't bonk. And those have been really fun too. So I've been able to connect with people online with that. So we're a little bit of everywhere. Cool. Awesome. Well, there's definitely opportunities to follow along. And... The exciting part is that if you were someone like me who was like, yeah, I think backpacking sounds fun. I wouldn't know where to start. Definitely wouldn't have been okay with the traditional foods. Now you've got an option and a starting place. And if you already are in this place, now you know that this gap is filled. So thanks so much for coming on today and sharing this with me and also giving me a tour of your van. (laughs) And maybe we'll be able to talk more about that sometime soon. Okay, thanks. I look forward to it. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 